The Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this May 15, 2017 edition. We are flying through the month of May. We're actually flying through 2017. Does it seem like time is just flying by to anyone else besides me? The news headlines, wow, they are something else. China, North Korea, Russia, what a mishmash of insanity that is. And here to talk about that is someone that I've wanted on my show since the day my show started. Our schedules just have not been able to meet up, and I'm really excited about this. I am such a big fan of this man. He's such a godly, amazing man, Henry Groover. He's become known as a prayer walker to the world. He started walking with the Lord on the Skid Row streets of Phoenix, Arizona in 1961 at the age of 18. And you know what? Today, he is still walking with the Lord. And Henry, it is such a pleasure and an honor to have you on my program, sir. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's a joy to be on with you. This is the first time here with you. I hope it's one of many more. And I think it's probably because the Lord was just getting sick of hearing every other month, Lord, I really want to get Henry on. So it's an answer to prayer. (laughs) Finally. Well, listen, Henry, you know, the world seems to be on the brink of yet another major world war. Of course, you seem convinced that very soon there will be a nuclear attack on the United States. Now, you had a series of visions back in the 80s and the 90s of such events taking place in the future during the final end of days, as you might call it that. Now, it was one of your prayer walks. It was particularly one in northern Wales in 86 when you were asked by God as a matter of faith whether or not you'd be willing to sacrifice your family. For the people that are not familiar with your prophetic visions on what's coming for America. Henry, walk us through how your visions tie into what you feel is coming for America. And based on the current political climate, certainly the rumblings, how does this all tie together? Walk us through this. Well, we're seeing some major developments here that are definitely concerning us in the greatest way, especially now with the situation with North Korea. That That is a very, very serious one. My concern with this man is uh, Kim Jong-un. This man is is what we call in in our vernacular a loose gun. He certainly has some technology in his hand that could become a, a terrible detriment to the United States and Japan and, of course, South Korea. But uh, the place that we're in right now is with this new man that was just elected in to uh, South Korea uh, as the leader of South Korea, Moon Jae-in. He is not pro-American at all. He is anti-American. He, to win the position of president, he certainly sounded good. But I assure you, the man is pro-joining together North Korea with South Korea kicking the United States out of of South Korea, taking over the command, you know, the way it's arranged right now in the event of an attack on South Korea, our commanding U.S. general will be in command of the South Korean forces as well as the U.S. forces. And uh, so this is what we're seeing right now. And this man originally was very, very much against anything to do whatsoever with the uh, setting up of the high-altitude missile defense system. And then as he began to run for office, of course, he kind of changed his tune a little bit and said, well, I I agree to it. But the true heart of this man is truly anti-American and to become the commander of the South Korean forces himself and to join together with North Korea. Now, we know if that happens, we've got a serious problem. And so I, I think if I were to touch base with this at this particular time, it's to address Kim Jong-un's, the North Korean uh, leader's ballpark of what he's doing where he is, because this man has the EMP 
system. He's developed it. He's worked on it. And it has caused great concern with our top generals and concern with uh, many of our different specialists in the area of nuclear weapons and EMP, which is the electromagnetic pulse, which can knock out all solid-state communications across America. And uh, Kim Jong-un has, they believe, satellites that can do this, explode in the high atmosphere, and that happens, and it can knock out our entire power grid across America. That means every automobile since 1984 or 85, maybe 86, uh, every automobile, truck, whatever, that has uh, electronic emission, an electronic ignition system, every single one of them will come to a dead standstill and they will not be able to run. Their cell phones will not be able to run, and all of this. Now, what's the significance of this at this particular time? And to go back, to go back to my original vision that you just referred to on uh, December the 14th, 1986, from Carnarvon Castle, to go back to that, the Lord, yes, he asked me if I was willing to lay my wife and my children on the altar and never see them again this side of heaven. Now, when he asked me that, my pant legs were frozen. My legs were about frozen up to my knees. I had fallen through a creek, through ice that I thought was thicker, up in northern Wales. And it was 17 degrees out and blowing snow. It was not a comfortable situation. I was so cold that I just wanted to crawl into a warm place and snuggle up and look at anything else. <laughs> I'm driving, folks. <laughs> I'm on my way into Kentucky right now. And uh, that's about the only way you catch me is on the road in the air or on the water somewhere. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, when the Lord asked me that, I I could not say yes. Why, why, why couldn't I say yes? Because to be honest with you, Henry Gruber, you have a pity party. Yes, I, I, I had a pity party when he asked me that. I felt like I was sacrificing enough to be over there at that time of year, the snow blowing in my face. I would be gone Thanksgiving and Christmas through New Year's. I couldn't answer the Lord that afternoon. Uh, I was in Bangor, Northern Wales, and just about finished walking and praying every street of the city of Bangor. And uh, I finished walking the three streets of Bangor and caught a, what they call a red and white, a coach or a bus, over to Carnarvon and went to a family center uh, to find out lodging. I, that's where I find out lodgings, in Europe or somewhere like that. I go to a family place. I don't ask taxi drivers or whatever when I'm traveling along. And there's, there's reasons. I think you can know the obvious. But uh, anyhow, I got a room secured, dropped my backpack. I was, I was so hungry. I hadn't had lunch. So I went back down to a fish and chip shop got me some fish and chips, headed back up toward my lodging, was eating them on the way. They wrap them in newspaper over there. Here were a group of young people talking and laughing, and, and I thought of my teenagers back home, and I just lost my appetite. Threw my fish and chips in the trash bin, went back to my hotel room, got myself a bath, and you don't, when you, when you feel frozen, you can't even feel your feet, you don't put warm water in. You, you start with tap water that's cold, and you thaw yourself out very slowly, and only add warm water very, very, very carefully. But anyhow, that's what I did. It took me two hours to get the chill out of my body. By then, it was 8 o'clock in the evening. I crawled into the bed, pulled my head un under the covers, went to sleep. I didn't want to talk to the Lord. I didn't want to. I didn't want to communicate with anybody. So I woke up at 4:30 in the morning and slipped out on my knees to pray. And the Lord spoke to me and said, "I want your answer before you leave the room this morning." And I began to weep, and just crying so hard and so loud that <laughs> I was afraid I was going to wake up people in the rooms around me. And I buried my face in the pillow, crying and saying, Lord, I just, I'm afraid. I'm afraid if I say yes and you take my wife and my children, I'm afraid I'll be offended at you. And you said it when you walked the earth, blessed are those that are not offended at me. And Lord, I love you too much. I don't want to be offended at you, but I'm afraid if I say yes and you take my wife and my children. 
you, you can't begin to imagine the, the imaginations that went wild over that afternoon finishing walking and praying and, and then the thoughts of what's going to happen. Is there going to be a gas explosion in the house and my family wiped out in one clean sweep? I, I hadn't had any kind of a vision yet of anything that was going on serious like that. And so I didn't know why he was asking me that of me. So then the Lord said to me, he said, Henry, can you really take care of your family? Are you really the one that takes care of your family? And he began to take me by vision back to all the different times of trying to raise 13 children, of the miracles that God performed for our family through the years. I'm talking about one that would have been a quadriplegic to this day if God hadn't healed him right in front of a nurse, in front of the principal of the, of the junior high and the county sheriff and others that were standing there. That kind of thing. And of course, no, I, I couldn't have healed him, but the Lord did. Uh, a 10-year-old boy, our boy David, John threw a stone, it sheared the front of his eye off, cut his nose, took the whole front of his eye off, Iris pupil was all gone, nothing but weeping matter, and uh, before five eye specialists at Deaver's Eye Clinic, I've got the documentation for this, God created a brand new eyeball right before them as they were looking into the machine at his eye. Wow. And uh, things like this happened. Our son Peter was born dead, and uh, we had a prophecy that he would be a prophet to his God, and here he's born at home, and he's dead. And the cord's around his neck four times. And I carefully turn him around, remove the cord from his neck, and get my hands under that, that hard, dead body. It had turned black. She hadn't felt any movement for over three days, almost four. I held him up, and I said, Father in heaven, it's a boy. You said we'd have a son, and he'd be a prophet. But to be a prophet before you, you have to put the breath of life in him, and you've got to do it quick. And my two daughters and my wife and a person that was going to help us in the, the delivery, I was the catcher. My wife was the tosser. But uh, uh, right before all of us, we heard and saw his mouth open, and we all heard breath go into him. And he began to whimper and cry, turned the darkest purple and the prettiest pink, and to this day, he's six foot four, and he's been a missionary in Mozambique, and so you see, God was asking me these questions. Could you have put the breath of life back into Peter? So the reason I give you this foundation, since you mentioned it, it, it is so crucial. By the time God had finished showing me these things and asking me this question, could you have done this? Could you have done this? I felt so small. I felt like an ant trying to crawl through shag rug carpet and uh, the jungle of, of this life. And I, my tears of fear and crying out to the Lord turned to tears of repentance for my pride and thinking that I'm the provider, I'm the one that protects and all that. And so that took place in that room. And then the peace of God came to me and uh, I went down, got breakfast, and went down into the city to go down to put my foot in the, the, the bay of the sea there, what I always do, start at the lowest point, and start walking systematically the streets of the city of Carnarvon. Now, Carnarvon is where Prince Charles was coronated as the Prince of Wales. The Black Slate throne is there, and Carnarvon Castle was one of the strongest land marine-based defense centers in the 11th century of Great Britain, and to give you an idea. I'm walking by the drawbridge, and the Lord says to me, I want you to go in, and I want you to go to the tallest top of the tallest tower. And so I paid my fee over the drawbridge and went in up to the tallest tower, was looking out over the island of Anglesey. I didn't seem to be receiving anything from the Lord, so I was asking the Lord if he wanted me to cross the bridge after I finished Carnarvon and pray the island of Anglesey. That's, that was my whole mind. It wasn't on anything of war or anything, an attack on America, anything like that. Having thought about that, uh, even in the scenario of, of laying my wife and children on the altar and never see them again this side of heaven. And so all of a sudden, as I'm looking over the island of Anglesey, asking the Lord if he wants to cross that bridge when I finish the town and go and walk and pray that, 
all of a sudden, I am caught up into the heavens where I see a massive military movement coming out of Murmansk, which is up above Archangel, up between Finland and, uh, and Iceland, okay, up in there geographically. And that's where Russia, now I know, has all of its major naval for the Atlantic. It's their port. And uh, they were coming out and going down around, and they had literally, with their submarines, had circled the United States on the the Atlantic coast and the Pacific coast. All of a sudden, I see radio towers. I thought they were radio towers. Now, remember, this is 1986. I see radio towers springing up like forests all across America. There's so many of them. And I see the dotted lines going out like they're transmitting. And I'm thinking, how can there be that many radio stations? Why would we need so many radio stations? But as I'm thinking that, all of a sudden the transmissions begin dotting, the dotted lines that they're transmitting begin sprinkling to the ground like dust. And instantly I'm made aware the communication has been knocked out. And I had seen these submarines parked on our coastal areas so close that the light color of the sand was still out the news of the, the submarines were Russian submarines. I think they were all. I saw submarines. I can't say they were all Russian, but uh, one I saw with a hammer and sickle. But I know also that North Korea, he uses the insignia of the hammer and sickle. And we've been told recently that there are two North Korean submarines messing around in our western coast. So I don't know. But uh, just an update. This is just recent news now that there are two North Korean submarines out there, and they've been watching them very closely. But anyhow, such terror comes over me when I see the communications just sprinkling to the ground. And I cry out in the heavens, Oh, Lord, the people will not even know there's an attack. And uh, at that instant, I look down toward New York City, where one of these submarines are parked right along the coast, and I see this missile come out of it, go over the city of New York City, and I literally watch New York City sprinkle to the ground like dust, like when the Twin Towers came down, the whole city came down. And because my family's in Oregon, in the vision I had the sensibility to look across to the Pacific. And when I looked across to the Pacific, I saw up above Seattle, Bellevue area, I saw a missile come out from a submarine up there and explode up above Seattle Bellevue, and I watched the destruction take place there. Then I looked down. Nothing had happened along the coast of Oregon, where my family was, but way down by toward San Francisco, Berkeley, California direction, I saw another explosion. I saw three nuclear explosions along the coast of California, all the way toward San Diego. And then I saw another one take place, I would say, between Miami and Tampa, Florida, in that area there. I was amazed, you know, to see this. I stood there in awe of that tower, that tallest tower of Carnarvon Castle. I stood there. The vision was over. I had seen this invasion. I had seen this destruction. And I cried out and said, Almighty God. I'm looking down into the, the port where there are British warships. This wasn't the vision. This is what's in reality. Now, I'm looking down there to see if I can see any sign of alarm in the warships. There's no, no sirens going off. There's no one running from the, their cars to the ships. There's no alarms taking place. I turn and look off the other direction from the tower down into the village of Carnarvon. There are no sirens. There's no alarms. It's a, uh, a morning of business as usual. And I realize it can't be happening of that magnitude now to America. And the British warships not know it. There's no way. No way. I don't know how that can be happening, and they don't know it. And so that made me say this in my prayer. Father in heaven, if this is not happening now, what will be the sign of it and of its time? And the Lord spoke so clearly to me, and this is what he said. He said, now remember, December the 14th, 1986, he said, when Russia opens her gates, 
He didn't say the Soviet Union. He said when Russia opens her gates and lets the masses go, the free world will cry peace and safety and will begin by letting down their weapons, crying peace and safety, and then revolution will break loose across America in the streets, throwing our nation into confusion, and then that's when it will take place. So there's that scenario. Now, one other area to talk about this EMP, we were, we were watching uh, different quotations of different top military people, and uh, they are talking about this EMP problem. It is a very serious thing. Uh, Ex-CIA direct, CIA director, 1993 through 95, James R. Woosley, he said North Korean's ability could kill nine out of ten Americans. Now, that, that is a horrible statement. I, I'm not a person that, that, that loves to deal with fear tactics, but these are top officials that, are, that just made this statement this year, 5-4-17, okay? And uh, Newt Gingrich addressed the Security Board of Congress, uh, and uh, he said that there are three great threats on America right now, on the world in America. The first he named is EMP, and the second are cyber attacks, and the third is nuclear, all-out nuclear war, which could bring about utter destruction. And uh, so there is an awareness of this that is very serious about all that's going on. When I, when I listened to Newt Gingrich and this information very recently, I thought back of my vision that I have that I call the Astoria vision. I, I have a book called The Visions of a Prayer Walk, and it has my all of my visions, 107 pages, and it has all of my visions in it that are pertinent to military, to God's dealing with the church, and the future of the church, and all this. But so this vision, both of these visions are in that book, as well as George Washington's vision and A.C. Valdez's vision of 1929. But when I listen to Newt Gingrich and these, these Woosley and these particular people that are specialists and are well-informed, I immediately reverted in my thoughts back to 1980, February of 1980, what I call the Astoria Vision. And in the Astoria Vision, I was on in Astoria, Oregon. That's the mouth of the Columbia River, right on the Pacific Ocean where the Columbia River is seven miles wide there. And uh, in the vision, I was on a merchant ship uh, called the Atlantic Pioneer uh, Philippine Registry from Manila. And uh, Captain A, I'll just call him Captain A, in the vision, I was up on the bridge where the wheel is, where you steer the ship, talking to him. When all of a sudden, I'm looking out over this seven-mile-wide river where it flows into the Pacific, and I'm seeing the whole river full of personnel boats, of military personnel boats coming toward, our, toward Astoria and over toward Long Beach and the other side of the uh, Columbia River. And I see these boats, they're not coming to mount up on the Atlantic Pioneer, the merchant ship. It's like they don't even see it. They're going around it. And it's loaded with what I said were definite Asian troops. They looked Chinese or Asian back then to me. And they were throwing hooks up on the ports, up on the docks, and going up ladders and running through over the docks and into the town. And they were shooting every, every citizen, every person they saw. And all of a sudden, I see come out from under the ports something that was so strange, because I've been there and looked at Astoria, and it, it isn't a literal thing, but they come out from under the ports, these World War II fighter planes and bombers. They were all World War II. They had all the insignias, the star and stripe of all the World War II type planes. There was not one new plane among them. Now, what does that tell you? And they began fighting the mothership and the ships that were bringing all these troops in and firing on these personnel ships. That tells you that EMP could knock out all of our weaponry 
that is solid-state control. That means a computer-controlled fighter planes, bombers, stealth, you name them, it could knock them out. It could bring them down to the ground, and they couldn't fly. And so what would we revert back to? The only weapon we would have for flying in the air would be the World War II planes that are all across America in shows, air shows. They would have to go back to arming those planes and use those planes again. I thought this is so interesting. Just as we are recording this show, there's a headline that came up, and I thought this was fascinating. I mean, God's timing is so interesting. One of the captions from 10 minutes ago says, Russia warns against intimidating North Korea after its latest missile launch. And just below this headline today says, Is the United States prepared for a nuclear EMP to shut down New York City? This is breaking as we're speaking. Isn't that interesting? And I'll No, and I'll send you the articles. But isn't that interesting timing that Vladimir Putin, as we speak, saying, listen, you need to keep a cool head with North Korea because we are not going to put up with any intimidation of North Korea. That's really shocking. Whoa, this is Putin saying this. This is Putin. Whoa. Washington Post, just like I said, as we're recording, these are the headlines. Whoa. And then the... Of course, The Hill saying EMP attack, nuclear EMP attack on... Of course, I'll uh, I'll email you these two headlines, but, I mean, talk about your very strange timing, Henry. Whoa. I guess it's interesting. Since the end of the Cold War, the free world led by the U.S. has gotten comfortable believing that the war with Russia is over, a thing of the past. But, you know, secret powers have been building up an offense behind the scenes, and now with the recent deterioration of relations with Russia, North Korea, you know, the prospect of a full-fledged nuclear war, some kind of maybe dirty bomb or EMP or nuclear attack, it actually seems more possible now, Henry, than it has in many years. Now, interestingly, you some of your subsequent visions of towers, which we now know to be mobile phone towers, that didn't even exist back in 1986. So that's really ominous too, isn't it? Yes, yes. And you know, we know, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt uh, that North Korea will use EMPs if they have it or when they have fully developed it. Yeah. We know there's no question about that. That man, that man just won't stop at anything. Yeah, this is so true, so true. Well, folks, you that are listening to us out there, I know this sounds like gloom and doom to you, but I want to tell you something. If we don't wake up in America, it's going to be too late too soon. Now, here's what we better pray. We had better be praying with all of our hearts. I mean, really crying out to the Lord. This sounds terrible, but it it must happen. We've got to pray that Donald Trump will give the orders to hit North Korea with everything we've got immediately. Knock him out now, because if he has any more time, if he keeps doing what the U.N. wants you to do, negotiate, negotiate. You know and I know he's only going to, he, he fired that missile, what, just yesterday? Yeah. He fired that missile that has the capability of, of uh, intercontinental ballistic carrying a nuclear warhead. We know that. It fell in the Sea of Japan. Japan is very worried about it. Everybody over there is worried about this. And so this is not a game we're talking about. We're not talking about conspiracy. We're not talking about speculation. We are talking about reality here. We are talking about if we don't get a hold of the Lord now and ask God for wisdom for President Trump and our armed forces. We know all of our our ships are over there. Everything is over there, our aircraft carriers. But if, if indeed... An EMP is fired and exploded above all of them. Do you realize they are sitting ducks in the water? They can't even take the planes into the air. They can't even, can't even operate the radar. They're sitting ducks. They're sitting there with no defense whatsoever. We're talking a, a very serious time right now. And if we don't get a hold of the Lord on this thing, it could very well. When Newt Gingrich and Woosley and these, these type people are blowing the trumpet before our Congress and saying, listen, this is not a question of if we need to act, 
immediately. This is a question of we not only must act, but we must begin to take every precaution now. And as Newt Gingrich said, it's too late after the Twin Towers fell down. Yes, we took every precaution after they came down, but this is so much greater and so much more destructive that we must do it now. If we've got two North Korean submarines messing around out there off the coast of our Pacific, of California, get rid of them when we hit that, hit when we hit. Now, they may be down low somewhere, and they may be just sitting there waiting for us to hit and release what they've got. We don't know what he's got. But we know one thing about this man. This man is way, Kim Jong-un, is way too bold. He, I don't think he's a, a blowhard. I don't think the man is, is just, just blowing hot air. I think the man knows he has a handful of aces in his hand. He doesn't have Joker. He don't have the Joker. I don't think he has the Joker. Well, and isn't it interesting that he fired that missile 800 kilometers really challenging the South Korean leader. But, I mean, that was only... Yes. That was right after the dialogue. The The South Korea leader had pledged a dialogue, and then he fired it. I mean, this guy is a demonic little fathead, isn't he? He is a man driven by hatred. He has had 70 years uh, of, of propagating. Kim Jong-un has had 70 years to indoctrinate this generation of his army. And they say he has, what, a three-million-man army or something like that? Yeah. Uh, men and women. He has been indoctrinating them, and they, his father, and his, they have been indoctrinating with hatred against the United States and Japan, and, of course, South Korea. So uh, we've got to look at it this way. He doesn't have anything to lose. He doesn't have anything to lose. That man knows... He knows he's dead in the water anyhow if we don't do anything. He knows he has everything to gain if we just try to negotiate. That's what he's hoping. Just keep negotiating, and we get all of this set up and totally in place, and it's all over for you. And so none of us know exactly, precisely where we are with this man and his technology right now. But we know he has two satellites flying from the south to the north over America, coming up out over South America, and by the time it flies over the U.S., it's too late to do anything to try to knock it down. And radiation uh, has a tendency to, to, to fly from, uh, if you blow that up in the north, it, it goes south. It migrates south. So we would have a little time, if he blows it up over the northern hemisphere, to come back over America, you know. But we have to know and we have to use if we have the technology to knock those satellites out. We've got to do it uh, because it's flying. they're flying at the altitude that if he explodes this device, the nuclear device up there, it would literally knock out all communication across all of America at the altitude it's flying. Well, this is intelligence talking that has, is not top secret. It's not classified information. It's available out there to us. And uh, so, Lord help us, uh, we have really got to pray, because we are in a, a very serious bypass. I, I wouldn't, uh, I, I wrestled with the people that wanted me to watch this stuff verbally, and uh, said, oh, come on, you know, I mean, uh, my word, we have got to have the technology to knock this stuff out, and lasers to knock satellites out of the air, but you know, do we is the question. Yeah, or do we? That is a good question. Well, one of the things you mentioned, Henry, earlier, you said the power of prayer, and you said we really do need to be praying here. And prayer is so astonishingly treated as a side note. The war we're in as Christians, this is not a playground. This is a battleground. And there has never been a time, Henry, I don't think, when prayer is so urgently needed. Boy, if we've ever needed the power of God, we need it now. God is our greatest defense and our greatest protection, our greatest security right now. Uh, I know that the Lord himself said, let every man be a liar, but let God be the truth, you know. We cannot trust. We just cannot trust. And the fact that this new leader now has been voted in in South Korea, it's just a matter of time. I mean, it is a matter of 
if Trump waits eight to 12 months to do anything, on that scale alone, this man will have the United States out of South Korea. He will have full command of the South Korean military, and he will begin turning everything over in agreement to the North Korea, and we're going to see a massive bloodshed then as well. And so the thing that we've got to pray that our leadership, our president of these, I know that they're concerned with 30 miles away from the, the DMZ, his, his soul, 30 million people. <laughs> I know that. I know that. I know that. And I know that the cry comes from my heart of the danger of that. And dear Lord, we know, we know China has pulled out its people out of China. I, I just came from Asia. China pulled out its people from South Korea called them all home, canceled in North Korea. All people, all of China's people from North Korea, they're, all of their strategist people and everybody, called them out of North Korea, called them out of South Korea. Tourism is hurting, like on the island of South Korea there is, is Tesha Island, and Chinese used to be just flocking in there from mainland China. All of a sudden, there's no Chinese anymore. No more Chinese. They're not coming. So we're facing all kinds of things that are taking place here. There, there's something in the wind that China knows about. The fact that they're calling their people home, they're not wanting them over there. They know something's about ready to break loose. And you know and I know, everybody, you know and I know that China does not want South Korea to conquer North Korea so that the United States Armed Forces has armed forces right on the border of China, which would be North Korea. So we know China is not going to sit back on that one. So we're, we're facing, we, we, just, we just cannot negotiate with China on this thing. Uh, pray that God will not depend on Donald Trump to negotiate how the leader of China, no matter what he told him at the golf course there in Florida last month, no matter what they conversed about, that Donald Trump will not based on that of his decision. Well, and Henry, don't you find it interesting that just today, the last three days, Putin and others are meeting in China on that Belt and Road Forum? That's interesting timing, isn't it? That is very interesting. See, I haven't seen the news. I didn't know that. That is very significant. Yeah, I agree. And Henry, what's really interesting when you piece what you said together with the fact that Russia sends its most advanced fighters to the U.S. coast, let's connect that with the fact that Putin sent three Russian warships into NATO waters after U.S. vessel arrived in the Baltic Sea. Then you've got this whole Russian jet over the Black Sea and the second incident this week, the Russian jet flying very close to a U.S. recon plane. That was international airspace Friday that occurred. And then weirdly on the heels of that, you have Russia and China breaking away from the U.S. petrodollar system. That is not looking good for the U.S. or the EU. And then couple that with Russian and Chinese military leaders. It would They had a bunch of meetings in the Kremlin just a couple of weeks ago, right after confirmation was received that U.S. was deploying its missile shield in South Korea. Why are Russian and Chinese military leaders having meetings in the Kremlin? You know, ask yourself that question and then combine that with everything else. This is kind of starting to paint a pretty clear picture here, Henry. Wow. Well, you know and I know we don't trust communism in China or Russia. That's right. We definitely don't trust the communists. We we can't trust them. There's no question about that. Uh, it's interesting that Putin is blowing the trumpet on this thing. Yeah, it is. Well, Henry, what would be your advice for the Christians listening? Because we just live in such unprecedented time. What is your advice for believers right now going forward here? The urgency to pray like we've never prayed before. Uh, Pray now like all of your hopes and your dreams, your future plans, your savings accounts, your retirement has all disappeared because of these cyber attacks and these EMPs. You can't get your money out of the bank. You can't, you can't drive your car. You can't go to the store and shop. You can't use your phone. 
you can't communicate with loved ones. You don't know where they are when this thing when this thing hit. You don't know where they are. They don't know how to get to you. The only way to get is to walk to one another. Put yourself in that scenario as you pray, and maybe then the urgency will hit you down deep in your spirit to travail. And if enough people travail and cry out, God will intervene. We know it. The Old Testament is full of it. Second Chronicles uh, 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, we know it, we can quote it in our sleep, will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face, and repent of their sins, I will answer from heaven and forgive them of their sins, and I will heal their land. We need our land healed. We desperately need it healed. On the National Day of Prayer, President Trump signed that executive order taking the gag off of pastors and ministers, talking about political things. They can now legally talk about it from the podium. They can address the people anything political. They can legally talk about it without being arrested or fined in any way. That's an executive order. And so far, our Congress hasn't presented it, thank God. And so you have this. And so blow the trumpet, cry out to God. With all of your heart, ask God to put an urgency in you like you have never had before. And the reason for that also is Ezekiel chapter 9, I believe it is. I don't have my Bible looked in front of me here. But I believe it's Ezekiel 9, where six men come forward with a slaughter weapon in their hands. And one man comes forward with a linen ephod and a writer's inkhorn by his side or a marking device. The priest with the linen garments, priestly garments, is told, go through the city, the streets of Jerusalem, put a mark on the forehead of all of them that sigh and that cry for the abominations that are committed there. And as he went through to put the mark, he finished. And when he finished, he said, I have put a mark on them. Then the words in that chapter said, now... Go through the streets and utterly slay all, and begin with the ancient, the elders, all the way down to men, women, and children that do not have the mark on their forehead. Now, if you look in the book of Revelation, it also is in there that the angel, this mighty angel from heaven, is told to hold back the four winds of the heavens until we have sealed the servants of the Most High God in their foreheads. So you have it in Ezekiel 9, and you have it in Revelation. I, I think it's about 9 or 10 or 11. All right? You, you'll find it there. It's in the first part of the chapter. Now, when I sit on the number one defense center, our nuclear defense center, and address the top strategist, the top specialist, I ask them, how effective... Can nuclear explosion and the kill factor be if the wind cannot blow? And the nuclear specialist said, virtually nil, nothing. It, the kill factor would be nothing if the wind cannot blow because the fallout is what is the kill factor. But he says, we don't have any history where the wind never blew. And I quote that out of, out of uh, Revelation. And the number one weather specialist says to me, may I, may I approach you? I'd like to see that in the Bible. And he saw it, and he said, oh, my word. He said, do you realize that all weather forecasting is forecasted from the basis of the four winds of the heavens? Wow. And I, I just, it put the goosebumps all over me. It's just, it's just saying it again. He said, that is, and that's in the Bible. And he said to the whole staff, the top specialists sitting there at their consoles, he said, folks, this is right here. It's written right here. And the number one nuclear specialist said to me, sir, he said, I don't know how to thank you enough for your coming here today and being willing to open up and address what you know to us. He said, my nerves have been so tight every day Every day, every moment that I live since I have been in this position, because I know that when the nuclear weapons start to fly, it's all over. But he said, you have just spoken to me, and you have shown me clearly that Almighty God is in control of who will live 
and who will die? And I said, not only in Revelation, but in Isaiah. It asks, who shall dwell in the midst of the everlasting burnings? In, in uh, Isaiah, in several different places, it says this. And God says, your, your place of munitions shall be the rocks. Bread shall be given you, and your waters will be sure. And your eyes will see the king in all of his beauty. And behold, the land that is afar off. Hallelujah. So there is comfort in there. And in the vision I had, God has specific areas across this nation that I've seen where no weapon formed against God's people will prosper. They are safe zones. They are security zones designed by Almighty God. And he showed me areas that looked like plexiglass domes over it. Missiles never hit them. Cannon fire never hit them. Troops and military went around them and didn't even know they had split ranks. They came back together and didn't even realize they had split ranks. So I know, I know God has a secret place that Psalm 91 and Isaiah 54, 17 are yours. They're yours. You must begin to read them. Psalms 90 and 91. Read the, the psalm before it. Prepare. And then read Psalms chapter 2. The kings of the earth have set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands and cast their cords asunder. But the Lord will sit in the heavens and laugh and hold them in derision, saying, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Mount Zion. Ask of me, and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm, amen. Such powerful scriptures. Well, Henry, in the waning moments, if you, sir, would do us the honor of praying for this nation, please lead us in prayer and we'll all stand in agreement, sir. Oh, Father in heaven, almighty God, wake up your people. You said in Isaiah, awake thou that sleepest. Awake in Joel chapter 2. Let the ministers and, and, and the priests weep between the porch and the altar and cry out. Almighty God, I pray that you will speak to the ministers and the pastors across South Korea, across America, across Japan, Lord, and in mainland China and Taiwan and all across Asia. Lord, that you will speak to the heart of the people and Almighty God that they will begin to feel a travail and a cry, a sighing and a crying for the abominations that are being committed. Almighty God, we ask that you wake up your people. Wake up your people. Wake us up, Almighty God, and stir us like we have never been stirred before, and that the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit will envision your people, that without a vision they will perish. So give them a vision. Show them the place, not so much the, the safe zone, not the security place, because, Lord, you even said there in Isaiah, we can dwell in the midst of the fires. We can dwell in the midst of the rivers, and they will not overflow us. And, Lord, you name all of these different things. And so, Lord, we ask you to stir your people and wake up just your people that are called by your name. Shake them, wake them up, and cause them to begin to cry out, to sigh and to cry, and travail for this very day and for this very hour because your priest, your anointed spirit is going to come forth and mark those that are sighing and crying and they will be spared, they will be preserved by your mighty hand. In the name of Jesus, we pray it, Lord. Last thing you plead with after pestilence and blood and overflowing rains and fire and brimstone. The last thing you list in your pleadings is brimstone. And burning brimstone is nuclear heat. And so, Almighty God, these are your pleadings. So there are going to be some nuclear explosions take place of your pleadings. We just pray that you will help us to dwell in the secret place of the Most High and be sensitive where we are to be and not to be and where we are to be kept in a low, low, low profile in prayer in Jesus' name, because we know the tares head tower above the wheat, and the angels will come and take out the tares, and the wheat will be preserved. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 
Amen and amen. Thank you so very much for that, Henry. Well, I know you're traveling and I know you got to run, Henry, but it was just such a pleasure. I'm so glad I, I just didn't give up trying to get you on. And it was just such an honor and a blessing to have you on the program. And I thank you so much for your time and I hope you come back and see us soon, Henry. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for following up on that. I sure appreciate it. We'll talk to you again sometime down the road, I pray. Thank you, Henry. God bless. Folks, that was Henry Groover. Bookmark his website, joyfulsoundministry.com. You can also email him. His contact information is there on his website under Contact Us. You can also contribute to his ministry, which I highly recommend. What an incredible man. What a blessing to have him on. And he's right, folks. We do need to be really in prayer right now. Prayer like never before. That is just absolutely crucial, which, speaking of which, for those prayer warriors that want to join me in prayer every Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, there's a call-in number, and all the details are at powerprayers.ca. On the menu, you'll see Join Us in Prayer, and you can join us in prayer every Wednesday night. Like I said earlier, we're on a battleground, not a playground here, Christians. We can have no idea the significance of our prayers. I'll tell you, prayer is so very powerful. I just can't emphasize that enough. So I look forward to you joining us on that. Tomorrow on the program, powerful show with Pastor Monty Mulkey, West Coast Church of Deliverance, a very powerful show. And then at the end of the week, we close out with Dr. Michael Heiser, on Reversing Herman, his new book. I've read it, and wow. And then we finish up the week with Pastor Mike Spaulding. We have a great week. Do not forget to bookmark weekendvigilante.com. And of course, a banner will come up. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. We've got some exciting changes on the horizon, so make sure that you are subscribed. Again, go to weekendvigilante.com. After a couple seconds, you'll see a banner. Very easy. Just click on it. Boom. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you for tuning into the program. Good night and God bless you.